You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On, DJ Augustine. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode, we will give all the appreciation and love that DJ Augustine deserves as we break down the Orlando Magic's Game 1 victory over the Toronto Raptors and talk a lot about DJ Augustine and what he has provided this team as they look to defy the odds and, yes, advance in this playoff series. They certainly made a big statement on Saturday. This is a special episode, of course, of Locked On Magic as uh, the NBA playoffs have begun. So we're going to try to go... Pretty much seven days a week. There might be a few days here or there that I that I take off, like yesterday when I said I'd do a podcast. But nonetheless, we are here now to break down game one of the series. So definitely, 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 definitely subscribe to the podcast so you can get the podcast delivered straight to your device every morning during this playoff run. You can, of course, find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts, your podcast enabling device, and the Himalaya app. Have podcasts delivered straight to your device through the Himalaya app. Subscribe and follow your favorite podcast, get recommendations, as well as create podcast playlists. You can do this all on the Himalaya app uh, and find all the Locked On podcasts, including Locked On Magic, Locked On Raptors, and Locked On NBA 2. With the NBA playoffs well underway, you want to be up and in the know with all the teams in the playoffs, in the postseason. So definitely check that out, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. With one minute to play in the game, Kawhi Leonard did what superstar players do. In fact, this this game was different than the Magic's previous uh, meetings with the Toronto Raptors for that very reason. Despite, I thought in many ways, some fantastic defensive efforts from Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon, both Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam had fantastic games. Fantastic games. They made difficult shots, and sometimes there's not much you can do about it. That's what the playoffs are about, making plays. And with a minute to play, Kawhi Leonard made a heck of a play. Even with Danny Green pinning DJ Augustin behind him in the post, Leonard waved him off and said he was going to take the Magic's best defender one-on-one and beat him. All credit should go to Aaron Gordon He played some fantastic defense, forcing Kawhi Leonard wide and toward the baseline. But it didn't matter. Leonard hit a fadeaway jumper, and the Raptors had a two-point lead with about a minute to play. This, This is where the Magic supposed shortcoming in these playoff moments would be most pronounced. In a close game, and believe me, and I truly believe this, for the Magic to beat the Raptors, they have to win Every close game they're in. The margin for error is that small. But in a close game, the Raptors have the go-to guy. The guy with the killer instinct like Kawhi Leonard. And, so the story might go, the Magic do not. One minute to go, down by two. Who do the Magic turn to? What do the Magic do to create offense against one of the top five defenses in the league? It turns out, Saturday afternoon at least, or Saturday evening, the Magic had their guy. And despite getting hounded by Danny Green the entire second half, 
prevented from getting where he wants to go, where he needs to go. DJ Augustine found a way. Running a pick and roll and beating Green to the middle of the floor and hitting a layup to tie the game up. Then the Magic defense did their work as they had all throughout the afternoon. Scrambling and getting a stop. Marcus Gasol had a pretty open three-pointer from the corner but missed it. And Orlando grabbed the rebound and got up the floor. And that's when Augustine took over again. The Magic's first option to Evan Fournier was not open. The second option to Terrence Ross was not open. And so Augustine now with Kawhi Leonard guarding him as the Raptors switched everything. Yes, that the superstar player that was meant to take the Raptors over the top was staring face-to-face with DJ Augustine with less than 10 seconds to play. Augustine set up the pick and roll because time was running out. And a tie game. And as Augustine came over the screen, Kawhi Leonard dipped under. Marc Gasol did not switch. And Augustine was left with wide open with plenty of space. And he coolly and calmly drained the three. A three-pointer heard throughout Orlando. A three-pointer that, frankly, was one of the big highlights and big storylines of the first day of the NBA playoffs. And a three-pointer that did the most important thing for the Orlando Magic after Kawhi Leonard missed his own three-point attempt with half a second left. It gave the Magic a 1-0 series lead. A 104-101 victory for the Orlando Magic over the Toronto Raptors on the road in the Scotiabank Arena to give Orlando a 1-0 series lead. Everyone certainly thought, thinks, probably thinks the Raptors will win this series outside of that Magic locker room. And that's fair to do. Those who thought that the Magic would be an easy out, that the Magic would not put up a fight, that they would not give the Raptors a ton of trouble this series, throw that out the window. The Magic went to Toronto in Game 1, stood toe-to-toe with the Raptors, and when the game was on the line, it was not Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors who won the day. It was DJ Augustine and the Magic who did. This was a huge win for so many reasons. But it was huge because the Magic won this game the way that they've been winning games all throughout this 30-game stretch. They fought hard. They scrambled on defense. They never gave up. And they found enough offense to win it in the end. Early on, it did feel like the Magic were a little nervous. It did feel like they were pressing a little bit offensively. Shots were coming up short. They, they weren't getting where they needed to be. And Orlando fell into a little bit of a hole. In fact, many of Orlando's key players did not have good shooting performances. The Magic, as a team, shot 40% from the floor in this game. Yet the Magic scratched and clawed and found a way. They scratched and clawed and kept claw- getting back into it until they had raced ahead for a 16-point lead. After that initial crush, the Magic took control. Their defense, too long, too suffocating, too energetic. 
for the Raptors to rise up to. But things fell apart quickly. An 8-0 run to end the second quarter brought cut the lead in half, and that continued on into the second half as Toronto went on a 22-2 run. The Raptors now had the lead. And it looked like, yes, Orlando had a nice story. They, they proved they could, they could fight a little bit, but this was not their day. But like in the regular season, it's time to stop assuming the Magic are going to fold and they're going to quit. It's time to stop thinking, like the last six years, honestly, where the Magic are not a team that with kind of mental fortitude to fight back. Orlando's offense in the third quarter was terrible. In fact, the Magic had fewer than 20 assists in a game for the first time since January 9th. That was game 41. They had 19 assists in this game. And that's not a formula for the Magic to win. The ball was stagnant. They weren't moving particularly well. It was a lot of isolation play, and that's a problem. But the Magic found themselves again. They started coming back in the fourth quarter. Michael Carter-Williams leading the bench crew uh, to, to new heights again. Jonathan Isaac hitting some big shots. Ken Birch hitting some humongous shots early in the fourth quarter on pick and rolls. Just making plays. Slowly but surely, the Magic made plays in their defense, stayed consistent throughout. Toronto couldn't make enough threes, couldn't make enough shots to really put a dent in them, but they were flying around. They were making great second efforts. Their discipline was fantastic all night long. And when, even when Orlando made a little mistake, they were able to get themselves back. Perhaps no moment symbolized the kind of fight the Magic had, just visually, maybe not so much in the actual flow of the game, but visually, like Michael Carter-Williams. He made several big plays throughout the day and throughout the game. But in the fourth quarter, he was coming around a screen and got hit clean in the face by Kyle Lowry. No foul called, of course. And as he sat there on the floor, kind of holding his hand to his, to his nose, and the Magic called a timeout, he went to the ref and he showed exactly what happened. So he turned to the camera, turned to where the camera was on Fox Sports Florida. You could see the blood dripping down his face from a cut on his lip and nose. It was nasty. It was pretty harrowing. But he was ready to go. He was, he was back on the bench shortly after, ready to go if the Magic needed him. And the Magic fought hard, harder from there. As we've seen from this Magic team over the last 30 games, they don't lose in blowouts. They give themselves a chance to win every game. They have become what Steve Clifford promised, what, what Jeff Weltman promised about Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford teams do not beat themselves. You have to beat them. And a Raptors team that's strong defensively, that did a lot of really good things, they could not make the Magic beat themselves. And that gave Orlando the opportunity. And as Toronto struggled to find shots, struggled to, to make shots consistently, struggled to get stops consistently, they opened the door for the Magic. And with this team, if you open that door, they're going to take the whole thing. And they took game one away from the Raptors. The final score, 104-101. to 101. 
Let's break down some of the individual performances here for just a second and look a little bit ahead to Game 2 and what to expect uh, as the Magic get ready for Game 2. Um, DJ Augustin's obviously the place to start. 25 points, 9 for 13 shooting, 4 for 5 from beyond the arc, 6 assists for Augustine. Uh, he was the best way, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about him, so I don't want to go too far into this. He was just this calming force for the Magic. When their offense wasn't going well, especially early in the game, he had 19 of his 25 points in the uh, in the in the first half. He was just a calming force. The Magic did look a little uh, pressure, did look a little rattled, or not rattled, it's not the right, right word, but a little awed by what they were experiencing in the playoffs. And you could see they were pressing a little bit and rushing some shots and, and not quite being who they are, at least offensively. Defensively, I thought they were very calm and collected all night. Uh, and DJ Augustin kind of paced them through that. They needed a bucket, he got it to them. They needed a good set, he needed a good shot, he got it for them. And I think that was really important for the team. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it because I'm going to talk about Augustine a lot uh, in the next segment, but well, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, 11 points, 8 rebounds, but 3 for 14 shooting. No player looked more rushed than Nikola Vucevic. He missed a lot of bunnies that you expect him to make, and he does have games where he misses that, but he really struggled getting Marcus Gasol off the block. Uh, or really, Marcus Gasol really did a good job getting Vucevic off the block. Vucevic was never really in the spots that he likes. He wasn't able to kind of back Gasol down. Gasol's a big dude. He wasn't able to back Gasol down into, into areas where he could score more effectively. He was shooting a lot of off-balance shots, and Orlando's got to find a way to get Vucevic deeper post position uh, and deeper uh, and really just more use his mobility a little bit more effectively. I thought Toronto did a really good job closing down pick and rolls. They used their length really effectively on on those plays. Um, so you know maybe you try running some different some different combinations. Uh, to try and to try and counteract that, so they can't clog the lane as much. I, I don't know what the what the idea is there, but the Magic have to find Vucevic in better position to score, and, and then at the end of the day, Vucevic has got to make shots. You know, one for three from beyond the arc's fine. Three for fourteen, just missing a lot of shots around the paint. That can't happen. The Magic are not going to win another game if Nikola Vucevic shoots three for fourteen, and frankly, the Magic aren't going to win another game if Aaron Gordon also struggles the way that he did. Aaron Gordon finished with ten points, three for ten shooting, ten assists in this game. Three assists, two turnovers, three steals. So, uh, honestly, a little bit more of a mixed bag from Aaron Gordon. I think he did do a lot of good things. Well, and to Vucevic's credit, I thought Vucevic played some really good defense overall as well. Um, but I, I think that uh, Aaron had struggled a little bit breaking Kawhi Leonard. I think the Raptors did a good job turning Gordon into a dribbler. Uh, there, were, there were several possessions where I was shouting at my TV screen, stop dribbling, move the ball. Um, I thought Orlando early on tried really hard uh, with with the switching that Toronto was doing to get Aaron Gordon some looks in the post. Um, he is not good in the post. That is one of the worst areas uh, of his game, actually, and something he really needs to work on this summer. Uh, but uh, Gordon kind of found his way a little bit. And I thought, honestly, even though Kawhi Leonard had a very good game, I thought that Kawhi Leonard uh, was had to take a lot of tough shots. Um, he scored nine points in the first quarter, and Gordon admitted that he wasn't as physical as he needed to be against him. Uh, and I agree with that. I think I think Gordon struggled a little bit early on, but once they kind of settled into the game, I thought Gordon did about as good of a job as you can on Kawhi Leonard uh, defensively. So mixed back from Gordon, I thought he was active and energetic, and and where the Magic needed him to be. But also, I think that his offense had to come along a little bit. Um, you know, just again. When it's quick decisions, moving quick, moving quickly, thinking quickly, rather than kind of sitting and, and probing and waiting, 
that's where Gordon's really effective. Um, but the Magic were able to get away with, again, a 6-for-24 performance from Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon in this game. That's not going to happen again. Terrence Ross also really struggled. 10 points, 6 rebounds, 2-for-11 shooting, 5-for-5 five five from beyond the um, from the foul line. Um, took a lot of... I mean, this was a Terrence Ross game like that. Uh, Terrence Ross is going to have games like this where he just doesn't make shots. Um, and so his shot selection's got to be a little bit better. But again, you just you just know that the wheel's going to turn. He's going to he's going to hit shots uh, again. Michael Carter Williams, really good game, mostly in the fourth quarter. Ten points, five rebounds, two assists. Did make two three pointers, which is going to make Toronto think. That's that's huge that he made those three pointers in this game. Um, he is definitely a guy that uh, that te- that the Raptors left open, left him open several times, and he burned them. And that's a good thing for Orlando. Um, you got to hope that he stays out of the concussion protocol. He did get hit pretty clear in the face, and that usually gets you diagnosed with, with, with a concussion or at least checked up for a concussion. Um, but he played really, really heady defense in the second half especially uh, and played really, really well. Just again, that image of him, you know, blood dripping down his face was, was, uh, was like, I mean, that's, that's playoff legendary right there. That's, that's going to be a playoff moment for the Magic for all time. I mean, we joke about the travel dance with with Chris Duhon and uh, in in that game one, and unfortunately that kind of superseded the performance that Jason Richardson had in that game. But this was uh, just a, a, a really should be an iconic moment. I want to see it in the history video for Game Three to be to be somewhat facetious and honest. Um, lots of other really good performances in this game as well. Evan Fournier I thought was okay, sixteen point seven for eighteen shooting. Jonathan Isaac eleven points. Eight rebounds, three blocks, five for ten shooting. Even though Pascal Siakam had a really good game scoring wise, I thought Isaac did some really nice things on him, made his shots difficult, and I, and I think both him and Gordon, if they play defense largely the way they play defense in Game One, the Magic are going to limit those guys a lot. I think both those guys had particularly good games. Um, let's go through their stats. Kawhi Leonard, twenty-five points, ten for eighteen shooting, six rebounds, four turnovers. Again, great work from Aaron Gordon. Uh, on that end, again, mixed bag. Nine of those 25 points coming in, or uh, I believe 11 of those 25 points actually coming in the first quarter. So Orlando really settled in as the game went on. And I thought, again, Leonard made some tough shots. Nothing you can do about it. Uh, when he did make shots, he was able to get pick and rolls to, to get Vucevic on him. And Vucevic, I think, switched onto him a little bit too, too much sometimes. But when Gordon was on Leonard, Leonard's shots were difficult. And I do think that's important. Same deal with Pascal Siakam. 24 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists for him. Uh, 12 for 24 shooting, missed all 4 of his 3-pointers. I thought even though he was able to make a lot, get some points, he had 3 offensive rebounds, was able to do some of the things that he more normally does. I still thought that that Isaac did a good job challenging shots, contesting shots, and, and making his shots difficult. So uh, when it comes to both Leonard and, uh, and Siakam, I'm not as concerned uh, about them, uh, I, I, but I think one thing that Steve Clifford did that was really smart uh, for the playoffs, he is matching Aaron Gordon's minutes with Kawhi Leonard. When Leonard comes out of the game, that's when Gordon comes out of the game. Uh, he's doing also pretty much the same between Isaac and Siakam. I mean, you look at look at. I mean, these numbers are incredible. Kawhi Leonard played thirty three oh five in this game. Aaron Gordon played thirty three forty three. Pascal Siakam played forty two nineteen. Jonathan Isaac played thirty nine fifty seven. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that Clifford understands how important those two players are and how well the Magic have defended them and gives the credit to Gordon and Isaac for doing so. Um, so I think we'll continue to see both those minutes get matched throughout the series. I think that is a big adjustment that that the Magic made even before Game 1. 
Um, and, and I think that we'll see both of them play better as this series goes on um, and, and, and force them to make bigger and better plays. Uh, so I do think that that is definitely something to keep an eye on in this series moving forward. Uh, other no notable performances, Kyle Lowry, 0 points, 0 for 7 shooting, 0 for 6 from beyond the arc, 8, eight assists, 7 rebounds. He did do some good things. He did do a, good, a decent job getting into the lane, but he missed every shot. Uh, and, and Orlando, I think, did a good job containing him in pick and rolls, forcing him when, when he did take shots into tough shots. Uh, you know, he missed some open threes. He missed some open shots that he'll normally make. Uh, and kind of turning him into a passer. And, and, and they're going to have to limit a little bit more of that penetration, a little bit more of that passing as the series moves on because Kyle Lowry isn't going to miss every shot every game. And in fact, I think it was... Interesting to say the least, how poorly Toronto shot from beyond the arc. It's one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. 12 for 36 from beyond the arc in this game. Um, they missed several open three-pointers as well, I thought. I thought that, Tor- that Toronto left a lot of points on the board. And as much as Orlando did a good job scrambling and contesting shots at the three-point line, chasing guys off the three-point line, uh, and closing out really well. I mean, I think they closed out really, really well for the most part. Um, Toronto also missed a lot of shots. Um, Orlando got away with a lot of things, and I do think that's something that's going to change. And a big focus, I think, for Game 2 is stopping dribble penetration so you don't have to help as much off of the shooters because Toronto's going to have a game where they make a ton of threes. We saw that uh, on April 1st when Danny Green had his big game. But I do think Orlando's defense was very, very good in this game. Toronto shoots only 45.5% from the floor, just 9 for 14 from the foul line. Those 14 free throw attempts are humongous in this game. Um, but I do think that Orlando, uh, one of the things that Orlando did well was they scrambled well. They they were really, their communication was really on point. They, they rarely had breakdowns with switching or coverages. They helped the helper really well. Um, the, the Magic were just all over the place defensively. Again, their closeouts were so good all night long. Um, and and their, the defense is why the Magic were able to come back in this game. It's why they were able to survive a 22-2 run. Because once, once they kind of got things back under control, once the game kind of settled in again, the Magic's defense was the story of this game. The Magic's defense was the reason why Orlando was able to win this game. And, you know, I think as we look ahead to Game 2, um, it, it's... As we look ahead to Game 2, it, it's really a, a, a strange thing. I, I really think that, that Game 2 is going to be very different from Game 1. Because... Both the Magic and the Raptors did things that are unusual for them uh, that cut both ways, both for thinking, oh, they're fine, they'll win the next game, and oh, that won't happen again, they'll lose the next game. Uh, you know, for instance, you know, Toronto, they're not going to have another 0 for 7 shooting performance from Kyle Lowry. That's just not going to happen. So Toronto should feel okay with that. But at the same time, they had to rely very heavily on two guys. Um, Pascal Siakam had 24 field goal attempts. Kawhi Leonard had 18. No one else on the team had more than 10. I think that's part... I think Orlando's okay if both Leonard and Siakam are the only guys scoring. And in fact, you know, we, I talked about the Magic having a low assist number at 19. The Raptors had a low assist number 2 with just 23. So obviously, something's going something's gonna to give. Not everything's going to cut that way again. Orlando, uh, on the same token, shot just 40% for the game. That's a low percentage for them. They were able to make 14 of 29 three-pointers, which helped, and they did get to the line 20 times, 18 of 20 from the foul line. Those are unusual numbers for the Magic. But at the same time, 
Nikola Vucevic is probably not going to shoot three for 14 again. Aaron Gordon is probably not going to shoot three for 10 again. Um, Terrence Ross certainly will not have another two for 11 game. Maybe he will have another two for 11 game, but he'll have a like eight for, you know, 14 game somewhere in there too. Um, it, it, or There were some very weird things that happened in this game. Um, and, and DJ Augustine having such a great game, one of them, and, and Toronto already made an adjustment that I, I believe will carry over to game two. They had Danny Green as the primary defender on Augustine, and it just kind of disrupted a lot of the rhythm of the Magic's offense because they couldn't they couldn't play with the pace they wanted because Augustine had to work just to get the ball up the floor against Green. Um, that that little bit of token pressure uh, slowed the Magic's offense down to a crawl, and I, I don't I think that is something the Magic are going to have to game plan for a little bit in Game Two. So the Magic got this game 104-101. They they do have the 1-0 series lead. There's no going back on that. There's no. You know, you don't care how you win games at this point. You just need to win the games. I mean, everyone did their job well enough to get the, get it done. But now you can start thinking ahead to game two. Game two is going to feel like a clean slate, I think. Um, you know, it, it's going to feel like a very, very different game. Uh, and, and I think that, that you know, Raptors fans who are frustrated with another game one loss, especially at home, not a time for panic. Absolutely not a time for them to panic. They're still, I think Orlando showed in this game how well they can play, but I think it also showed how small the margin for error still is for this team. That, you know, Orlando had to play a really good defensive game just to win by three. Um, and, and there are some things that I think will change for the Magic offensively, but Orlando's still the ones that have to play really well. Toronto could have a sort of B game and have a chance to win. Orlando needed an A game, and, and I think Orlando played like a B plus, A minus game in this one. They played really well in this one to get this win. Um, that, that margin for error is still very, very small. So this, this series is not close to being over. There's still a lot of work for the Magic to do um, if they want to win this series, uh, and I think that, that work's going to start in Game 2. But I want to close the show talking about the hero of the day. And that is DJ Augustine, because, you know, we talk a lot about a lot of different players on this team, whether it's Nikola Vucevic, the All-Star, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Terrence Ross, and DJ Augustine always seems to get lost in the shuffle. In fact, Augustine was always sort of the forgotten guy. At the beginning of the season, everyone said the Magic have the worst point guard situation in the league, which, which was never too true because Phoenix's point guard situation is very bad. Um, but but Augustine was often written off as, if not the worst, one of the worst starters in the league. And, you know, even among Magic fans, you might hear a, a, a state a sentiment that, you know, you're probably not right. It's not ideal that DJ Augustine is starting for the season. And, and, and we all thought that that might be a huge weakness that would prevent the team from reaching its potential. You know, acquiring Markel Fultz was almost, it's almost like a Nikola Vucevic situation of he's the heir apparent. They're waiting on him and obviously he's hurt and not playing in the series. But throughout the course of this season and throughout the course of this game, DJ Augustin once again proved how valuable he is to this team. Throughout the year, the Magic's on-off numbers were significantly better when Augustine was on the floor. Not just, not Nikola Vucevic, who was second, but DJ Augustine. Perhaps some of that a product of the Magic's poor point guard depth until until they discovered Isaiah Briscoe and now Michael Carter-Williams. But it has continued. The Magic are simply better when DJ Augustine is on the floor. 
And in this game, in game one of this playoff series, there is no doubt the Magic would have been in deep trouble if they didn't have Augustine there as a guiding hand. Augustine has been through playoff battles. He's been on several play, several different playoff teams. He's had big moments in playoff games. In fact, he merely tied his playoff career high in this one, if I'm not mistaken. Augustine has stepped up on the big stage. And more than anything else, Augustine is a calming force. I talk a lot about how the Magic need Nikola Vucevic as an all-star to be their sort of calming force offensively. When they are stuck, he gets them unstuck. The reality is, though, that DJ Augustine is the one that keeps everyone on the level playing field. He's an extension of Coach Steve Clifford on the floor. On offense, he's one. He's the one that makes things happen, that gets them into their sets, and when the team needs that push, he gives it to them. This is a guy who, like the Magic, has been overlooked, has been doubted, has been second-guessed. And yet, and, and honestly, in his career to this point, for good reason. But he continued to show this year, he continued to show throughout the season that he can be more than that. That he can be a reliable shooter, which everyone knew, but not like this. That he could be a closer. Someone who could guide and lead a young team further than they thought they could go. The plain fact of the matter is if the Magic do not have DJ Augustin, they are not in the playoffs. Period. A guy who was once considered a weakness is now one of their biggest strengths. Not to mention one of their biggest heroes. Outside of Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross, who else is hitting a shot of that magnitude? But again, it's all an extension of the approach that Steve Clifford has brought to the team. Of keeping that even keel. Of sticking to your principles. To your, your mentality. So that whether you're down 12 or up 12, you're playing the same way. Augustine has sort of embodied that in a lot of ways. He takes what the defense is giving him, and if it's not there, he moves it on and keeps it moving for his team. The Raptors certainly learned early on in this game just how much of a difference Augustine can make, and they ha- and he forced them to change their strategy on him in game one. It's a major change. It was a huge change, and it worked, it worked for, for a little while. But Augustine, like this Magic team, should be overlooked and forgotten no more. Augustine endeared himself to Magic fans forever with that shot in Game 1. When the Magic roll highlight packages, that shot, as well as Evan Fournier just giving him a massive bear hug, is going to live on forever. We will see it on the Jumbotron next year. We will see it in history videos for the next 30 years of this franchise. DJ Augustine has secured his place in magic lore. I want to make that very, very clear. 
He will always have a home in Orlando. But that play was no different than a play he would have made in the second quarter. Kawhi Leonard dipped under the screen. Marcus Gasol was late to switch. He drained the open three. And that's really the approach that DJ Augustin brings and why he was so big in that moment, why he was so big in this game when it did feel like Orlando was not overwhelmed, but a little wide-eyed about what they were going through, about, about the environment and the game itself. Augustine's always been the leveler, always been the one this season to keep their cool, to keep his cool, to keep the magic on the right track and on the right path. They know they don't have all the offensive weapons in the world. They know their margin for error is small. They know they still have a lot of work to do. But if they hang with DJ Augustine, he's going to get them where they need to be. And sometimes, when the time is right, when, when the mood calls for it, when the team needs him, he'll do a little bit more and get them over the finish line. The Magic have DJ Augustine to thank for a lot this year. For Saturday, they certainly have him to thank for winning the game and getting them this monumental win where he and the team are overlooked no more. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can also find us on the Himalaya app, have podcasts delivered straight to your phone, as well as play as well as create playlists and get suggestions for new podcasts, including those on the Locked On Podcast Network on the Himalaya app. Definitely check that out. You can find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. And of course, don't forget to check out Locked on Raptors to get the Raptors perspective on this game. Sean Woodley is a good friend of the shows. We've done a lot of crossover podcasts with him. Definitely check out his work over there and definitely check out what he has to say about game one and what he thinks the Raptors will do uh, to try and adjust to the magic in game two on Tuesday. You can, of course, also find us online at... You can also, of course, check out the latest on the Orlando Magic on orlandomagicdaily.com and follow us on Twitter there at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Wright. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.